0: We're back, everybody. I'm Carly Knight. And I'm Sabrina Monet. And this is Procrastination Planet. Where we should be writing, but... Okay, everybody. We're going to be talking about what books we'd like to adapt into movies. But first, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. We'll do it quick. If you like our show, give us a five star rating and a quick review on any platform that allows you to give five star ratings and reviews. Doing both of those things is what helps to push us up the charts and get us discovered by more people who are browsing. Also follow us on social media, Twitter at procrast planet, Instagram at procrastination planet podcast, Facebook, search for procrastination planet. You can either run into our fan page or our bitch session bootcamp our writer support page. Anyway, housekeeping out of the
1: way. Let's get to our episode. Books we'd like to turn into movies. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Let me start. I'm going to throw Saga out there. Okay. So Saga is that graphic novel I read earlier this year. Mm-hmm. It's Game of Thrones meets Star Wars. But when I say movie, I actually think this would make work better as a serial. So we have two people from a different alien species who sort of meet each other at an inopportune time and fall in love. And they're both military. Like, he's black ops for his planet. She's black ops for her planet. Mm -hmm. They meet. They should kill each other. They fall in love and have a baby instead, which is like a universal no-no in their galaxy. So they're basically on the run. I think a lot of it fits for our issues today. And I think a series like this based on other planets would, um, what's the word? I think people would love it.
0: People love all those Star Wars prequels. Yes, they do. Or they gravitate toward them anyway, or they gravitate towards them and then they complain about them. Yes. So they like to either watch them or they like to hate watch them and bitch about them on the internet?
1: Um, That's what I do. I hate watch them because the last three (laughs) have been sort of garbage. Um, One thing I like about Saga that they don't have in Star Trek and Star Wars, I believe the characters in Star Trek and Star Wars are sort of watered down and neutered. Mm -hmm. They're sort of these asexual characters that everyone from any age group can relate to. There's nothing too shocking about them. With Saga, everyone's hot. You know everyone's doing it in the middle of the night. Okay,
0: I'm going to take a little bit of umbrage about what you said about them being asexual. Okay. Because, number one, um, Jean-Luc Picard is portrayed by Patrick Stewart.
1: Oh, next generation. Okay. Yeah,
0: next generation. And then Star Trek Enterprise has Scott Bakula as Captain Archer. You're right. Yes, and he's... Shirtless quite a bit. He's held up very well over the years.
1: I I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay, so there's some hotties mixed in with a bunch of granola bars. Yes. Okay.
0: I love your code granola bars for (laughs) for the sexless people or the just plain bland people. I'm going to start using that from now on. Yeah, granola bars.
1: Oh my God, granola bar
0: merch. (laughs) Don't be a granola bar. Okay, we need to think of a food item for like hot ass people.
1: What is something you would eat all the time?
0: Okay, I'd eat cheese all the time, but then that has some really horrible implications because you don't want to be with someone that smells like
1: cheese. Exactly. Because that's kind of gross. What are hot people, water? (laughs) I guess if you're thirsty. (laughs) There's... there's... (laughs) You got
0: the tall glass of water or the tall drink of water. You've got... um, The thirst is real. You better hydrate.
1: You better hydrate.
0: Or it's like, wait, I guess it depends because thirsty can mean both horny and desperate. So it's yeah. like thirsty isn't horny is one thing. Thirsty isn't desperate is an emergency.
1: Is an emergency. Yeah. So I'm not sure
0: if I want to lean on the glass of water. Um, what's something I would eat all the time? Um, chocolate ice cream.
1: Are they ice cream? Are hot people ice cream?
0: Well, cause you want to lick them. <laughs> this is turning into a gross episode already with extra milk fat, <laughs> <laughs> buttercream frosting. <laughs> Although, too much of that, and then you fall into a sugar coma, and your teeth rot from
1: right to left. Because they're so sweet, they're mm-hmm. okay. Maybe they're ice cream as opposed to granola bars. Okay. Or maybe hot people are trail mix
0: with the acai berries. That one is still a work in progress. We're still working on that one, but we're yes. sticking with granola bars as code for bland and boring, et cetera. Yes. All right. So back to Saga. You get both the science fiction crowd and then like the Game of Thrones type of crowd with the, well, the Saga stuff going yes.
1: on. I think it's great. And I think the only place a show like that could exist now would be HBO. There's mm-hmm. no one else who can do it. Can I geek out for a second? Sure. Do you know that come November, the main streaming outlets are going to be Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, and then HBO, Warner Brothers, whatever they have? Mm -hmm. Disney, nothing rated R is going to be able to go on there. That's just, it's it's against their rules. Yeah. So, and then you have- You have Hulu who has some of their content. Netflix is turning into a place. Oh, I actually canceled my Netflix subscription. Mm. Fuck them for canceling the OA. But um, Netflix is just buying up TV shows overseas and getting the licenses for them and showing that to us here with dubbed over American English voices. Mm. So I thought, what is that? If they're not going to stick to making their original programming... So that would have been a perfect place for Saga to exist. Somewhere where you can binge watch an amazing space opera. Oh, yeah. It's probably just going to be HBO. Moving forward, HBO is the only place with money who's going to be able to do sagas that are rated R. Yeah. which 1920s Hollywood. Remember how that's your era. Oh, yeah. There's only like two or three studios. And then everyone's like, oh, there's so much diversity in 2019, blah, blah, blah. They're going back to the same thing. They're Mm -hmm. breaking it down, so we're going to go back to the model of there's just going to be three studios that exist on planet Earth. Yeah, because deregulation. Yeah, and if you don't belong to either Amazon or the Disney family or Netflix or Warner Brothers, no one's ever going to see your work.
0: Ah, the Gilded Age 2 electric boogaloo. Yes. Why don't we have guillotines again?
1: You can never put a guillotine on Mickey Mouse. There isn't a court in the world that wouldn't consider that high treason.
0: Hmm. We'll see about that. It would just be like the ear. Mickey Moss.
1: Oh goodness. Man. And I have a rabbit hole for later on this episode.
0: Oh no. I love a good rabbit hole.
1: Do you want me just to put it out here? Oh,
0: go ahead. Okay, it, go it's not gonna mess up editing. Okay. I don't care.
1: So I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm not gonna spoil that because it's a Tar- it's a Tarantino film. Everyone should go watch it and see what they think. If you've followed his career from the '90s, so there's a lot of Sharon Tate was in there. Hmm. about her storyline. We're familiar with the Manson murders. So a friend of mine who you're good friends with as well, David, sent me some links. And he believes from these rabbit holes that he's fallen under, why are you rolling your eyes already? My friend, David. Shout out to David in Virginia. Carly still loves you. Hi, David. He believes that the government orchestrated the hippie movement so that America had an alternate to hate while they continued on with their own um, classic American structure. Does that make sense? The world was falling apart with, with the war, with Vietnam, and they needed something for people to look at and go, no, we're real Americans. Don't be like these people. Oh, the scapegoating thing? The scapegoating. So they used speech. Well, the CIA
0: did invent crack to ruin the inner cities. And so he, I don't think he's completely wrong. He's not completely Fuck, man. Why am I agreeing with something Dave said? And
1: Fuck he's- you, Dave. And he said, this is what, because you, you're you the one that taught me the term, Laurel Canyon Cokehead. Uh-huh. He said that all of these people who came out of Laurel Canyon during that time, there has to be a reason why some of them belonged to certain families and were connected with certain people in politics. And... Why did their music over anyone else's music make it into the mainstream? Was it all one big conspiracy to steer the country in one direction and to work as a smokescreen to keep everyone's eyes off of whatever the government was up to?
0: I don't need another rabbit hole to fall down, but I'm probably going to fall down that one. Yeah. Fucking A, man. I'm not prepared for this.
1: No worries, but that was a rabbit hole. We might
0: make some Patreon content with the conspiracy
1: theory shit. Yeah. (gasps) There we go. Conspiracy theory. Oh my God. Yeah. She's got it written down. I'm going to
0: write this shit down because I do love to dunk on conspiracy theorists. Okay. Mm. Out of the rabbit hole.
1: What is your book to movie?
0: Well, I'm going to go into early Hollywood. Oh. Yeah. The book I would like to do is The Girls in the Picture. Oh, wow. And that one is by Melanie Benjamin. It's about a screenwriter named Frances Marion and her friendship with Mary Pickford. And as you know, or do we know, that Mary Pickford was one of the early movie stars back in early Hollywood. Yes. And she wasn't the first to get billing. That credit goes to Florence Lawrence, otherwise known as the Biograph Girl. Ah. Back in the day, they wouldn't name their stars because they didn't want to pay them or anything like that. Oh, wow. Or pay them, like, more money. Yeah. But people were demanding to know who this biograph girl was. And it was finally revealed she was Florence Lawrence. So she was the first official movie star. And then she faded into obscurity. I think at some point she took her life. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, Hollywood was still rough on people, like instant fame and whatnot. I think Mary Pickford, while not the first to get recognition, she was one of the first to really capitalize on her fame. I mean, she was more than just her ringlets and acting skills. She was, I mean, she had a lot of um, industry knowledge and she, and it wasn't Jack Pickford, but her second husband, Douglas Fairbanks Sr. Oh, wow. They ended up founding um, United Artists, their own production company. Wow. And they were kind of building themselves a little mini empire. So she was one of the first major power players in
1: Hollywood. And United Artists is still with us today. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the novel covers their friendship, and it also covers the falling out that they had over the years. And I think it would make a really good picture because, number one, costume porn. Yes. All of the costumes over the decades.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And I also think it would really suit the frame story, because the frame story takes place in the 60s. It has an aged Frances Marion going to visit Pickfair. Okay. And that was where um, Mary Pickford lived. I think she'd been divorced from Douglas Fairbanks for a while. And she was on either her third or fourth husband. His name was Buddy. Wow. And she still carried a torch for Fairbanks. But she had taken to her bed and was just kind of a recluse. I think it was the Lifetime Achievement Award that she was going to receive. And so Marion, Frances Marion, had wanted to visit her and kind of let bygones be bygones let her know that she was going to get the award, something like that. They were going to try and reconcile. Awesome. So it starts with her going to the house. It ends with her in the house and kind of seeing what had been going on behind closed doors. Wow. And I think that would make for a nice dramatical
1: sort of frame story shot. What are we going to learn that was happening behind closed doors? Read
0: the book. Ah, okay. I'm not spoiling anything.
1: Fair that's fair. So there. Douglas Fairbanks, wasn't he married to somebody else who was famous?
0: Who was he married to? I don't remember.
1: Why? Because that name sounds... He's he's one of those people that comes up in conversation when you're talking about old cinema, old Hollywood a lot. Yeah. Do they have like a Douglas Fairbanks Road in LA and that's why his name's coming up? I have to look that one up. Okay. I'm not going to pretend I know. Because that feels like a name that I say a lot. Like, you're supposed to make a left there or something like that. It
0: wouldn't surprise me. Alrighty. And then Douglas Fairbanks Jr., went on to make those old Sinbad movies. Okay. And one of them had Maureen O'Hara in it. Ah. I also think that you'd have really good montage opportunities, like watching the old-timey films being made, watching them drum up like war bonds, because um, that was kind of how the affair went on with Pickford and Fairbanks. They were going on like a war bond tour together, trying to get everyone to buy war bonds for World War I. Hollywood was used as a propaganda machine pretty early on. Gotcha. So I think we could montage that sort of thing. We could montage Frances Marion's overseas correspondence because she had, um, well, the bean counters and the men started really taking over. Yeah. So a lot of female screenwriters and directors and whatnot got shoved out of the way. So she ended up remaking herself as a war correspondent. I think that would be a good montage opportunity as well. Oh, and also fun fact with silent film makeup, At least very early on. Yes. I think in like the 1900s and 1910s, the particular film that was used was um, considered blue sensitive. So if an actor had blue eyes, they would disappear practically. Oh, wow. And like if you have my blotchy Irish complexion, I would look like I had dirt on my face.
1: So they had to put like a different... Mm-hmm. What color was it? was it? They made them blue or green or?
0: Oh, they had to make, um, they would hire actors and actresses with darker eyes so that they would show up on camera better. Oh. Uh, and the grease paint they had to use on their faces was yellow.
1: That's right. Yeah. And
0: that way when it shows up, it looks quote unquote realistic. Interesting. Yeah. And that also explains a lot of like the coal rimmed around the eyes so that they kind of pop yeah. out. You're
1: good with makeup. Can you answer a question for me? Sure. I've been binging Magnum P.I. Hmm. on Prime because they listed out all the episodes. What is it that they looked so different in the 80s than they do now? Like, traditionally, all of the romantic interests on Magnum were blonde hair, blue eyes, or something hmm. like that. But they don't look like the blonde hair, blue eyes, or, or the Caucasian actresses we see today. What what were they doing that they... They looked like... um you know that music video Let's Get Physical? Yeah. Olivia Newton-John. Mm. That look. What were they doing then that they look so different from from now?
0: I'm honestly not sure. Okay. Although I'm betting a lot of fillers okay. and a lot of plastic surgery type work goes into play. A lot of needlework.
1: Because they look so weird the, the 80s uh, girls in those in that show. Well, the 80s
0: girls are allowed to I don't want to say natural cuz they're made up to the nines. Because natural makeup was not really a thing back then. Yeah. Well, plastic surgery back then was a lot more obvious. Okay. So you're seeing more of their natural bone structure, more likely. You're not seeing a lot of like collagen injection in the lips. You're not seeing a lot of fake cheeks. You're not seeing a lot of fillers.
1: Gotcha. Okay. That's why they look
0: different. Yeah. I don't think they look weird. I think they look normal.
1: They kind of look like Barbie dolls, though. Like actual Barbie dolls. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Today, they kind of... I think they were prettier in the 80s, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I can't figure out... Why they they went from being really pretty to being sort of blah today on TV? You're like, so they were. I think
0: I think part of it is too when um, casting directors look for a particular look. They seek out people with a particular look. Like with Russ Meyer movies, Okay, it's like all about the big booby women. Uh. And so he would like scout far and wide for women with these impossible body types. Oh, wow.
1: Take a look at an old episode of Magnum P.I. And tell me why you think the girls on Magnum P.I. look so different from like all the other shows. Mm. And then the hair was... Big hair. Just yeah. a lot of hairspray. There was a lot of hair. And I'm Lots like, it's hair humid spray. in Honolulu. How does that happen?
0: Get you a little teasing brush and a lot of hairspray. And touch-ups in between takes.
1: The volume on their hair mm-hmm. that they should have won awards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so
0: well, the, yeah. Yeah, the 80s, I don't think gravity was a thing when it came to hair. Yeah. So maybe it was the way the Earth had rotated around the moon in the galaxy and... I can't bullshit on this anymore.
1: No worries. <laughs> the 90s is when I started to see people have messy hair. Like mm-hmm. it was okay to have messy hair on TV. Yeah. And disheveled or whatever. It was chic to have it a bit messy. But 80s it was like there wasn't a strand out of place. Oh no,
0: you had your hair done. <laughs> <laughs> done. You had shoulder pads
1: everything was just like they're perfect they're like too perfect like i don't think Mm -hmm. they're real when i'm watching the show
0: yeah but as far as their bone structure looks and everything you don't have the invisible beauty work gotcha you know like all the lasering all the little subtle tweaks and the needles and the stuff you can only afford if you're
1: rich gotcha but um you know another thing there was a lot more, like, pastel, is that right, the word to use, pastel? Mm-hmm. Like, they were pinks and baby blues. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that Lots was just 80s. Lots baby
0: blue eyeshadow. That was an 80s thing, okay. definitely. Okay,
1: I saw that a lot, and I'm like, what? I don't see it anymore. Because
0: it's the 80s, it's Sabrina. An, okay,
1: I was just like, wow. Come on, Sabrina. But I liked it. It was kind of okay. cool, and I was like, why don't I see this anymore? Or is it just too hard to do that? You can do it, but it's an
0: 80s thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Styles change, Sabrina. People are like, it's 30 years. Where have you been? <laughs> God, I feel like I was either born too early or born too late. Gotcha. If I were born later, then I'd know how to take a goddamn selfie. But if I were born earlier, I could have been a disco slut. I could have been 80s hot. Gotcha. I should have been a 20-something in the 80s. No, but
1: being born now means you have a chance of possibly going to Mars. I don't care about going to Mars. Stop it. Come on, Carl. I want to be a disco slut <laughs> in a Camaro. Back when nightclubs were nice, right? Yeah. All the nightclubs on Magnum are nice. You walk into a club today, it's like the floors are sticky. <laughs> 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 i was wearing pants i was wearing pants i had a long sleeve shirt and i still didn't want to sit down in the chair what is that or is that just it, it's past your time sabrina <laughs> get out of time. there
0: <laughs> you're going to the wrong club you got to start going to the grown and sexy clubs
1: the grown and se- you mean the ones that are pricier <laughs> yes <laughs> the ones with cover charges that everyone else can yeah. yeah the
0: cheap clubs with the young people oh you're gonna have the sticky floor
1: It's disgusting. Yeah. I don't know what happened to those people. Shit. But um, I digress too much on our podcast. (laughs) My apologies. But the reason, uh, it actually isn't the reason that I'm going to use it as excuse. Okay. I brought up Magnum because I brought up Hawaii because I brought up, this is going to be my next book, Ah. which I um, read recently, like a week ago. Aloha Rodeo. And it is a nonfiction book. The two authors' names elude me, but the title, you'll definitely Google that. It'll come right up. Mm-hmm. Aloha Rodeo is about the Paniolos, who were Hawaiian cowboys. Mm-hmm. I never knew this story. Mm. So the British brought cows to Hawaii went during King Kamehameha I's rule. But no one could put them... I don't know what it's called. I'm thinking of Brokeback Mountain now. Do you know when you had to make all the cows and the horses stay in one spot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was hard being on the coastline by the ocean and stuff. Yeah. So the people who ended up working there who were Hawaiian, they ended up getting called pañolos and they had to do certain tricks to keep the cows out of the water in a certain area and calm. Um, so they consider themselves, quote unquote, cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's this huge thing in Wyoming about... You know, Cowboy Rodeo. And they attended. They attended one year. It was like, I'm horrible with dates. It's either 1897 or 1902. Somewhere in that before the Second World War days. They went and they actually won. And the reason why I want this made into a movie, that's a great vehicle for Jason Wilmois Oh Him as a cowboy, because he always he uh-huh. loves those movies as cowboys. He yeah. could be a Banolo. That would he he looks a little too big to have been one of those bagnolos, but they could pull it off. Even though when you're over 200 pounds, you have no business sitting on a horse that's fucked up. But (laughs) yeah, that would be a cool film.
0: Since when is Hollywood accurate about their casting anyway? Right.
1: There we go. But the reason why I was shocked, because I never knew there were Polynesian cowboys. That would have been fucking cool. Interesting. Yeah. Well, bagnolos. Yeah.
0: That would have been awesome. That's cool. The thing too is um, the cowboys in the lower 48, they were, you know, back in the day, they were primarily like black or Mexican. Yes. But in the movies, you only show the white cowboys. Yeah.
1: Really teeny tiny, Um, what's his name that everyone thinks is a big guy, but he's not really a John big... John Wayne. Yes.
0: I know you get people complaining about, oh my God, why are you trying to make your westerns politically correct? And it's like, the political correctness of the time was to make cowboys white, because they were
1: heroes. Yeah. Oh, so. goodness. So, Bagnon was uh, I think Aloha Rodeo would be an interesting read um, for you. But definitely, I could see that being made into a film.
0: So, taking a nonfiction and fictionalizing it for the screen. Um, I've seen that with... Um,
1: Dances with Wolves?
0: Not Dances with Wolves. Um, Last of the Mohegans? No, I'm trying... That's a novel. No, I'm trying to think of um, a purely nonfiction book that was turned into either a series or a Star movie. Star Wars. Okay, you're trolling me now. You're doing the podcast equivalent of (laughs) shitposting.
1: Let's see, a nonfiction book that was turned into God, this is going to drive me crazy. We can think of one. Come on, all the movies we've seen in our life, we can think of one. Oh, like the self-help books? The
0: Thorn Birds? That was for real. Yeah, that was for real. Um, he's just not that into you. They took a self-help book and turned it into a movie. Yeah. Okay, that's probably not the best example. I'm trying to think of shit that turned out to be good. I'm thinking of
1: a historical. It has to be something historical.
0: It's gonna fucking kill me.
1: It's gonna kill me too. It's gonna murder me
0: in the face. Okay, listeners out there, if you can think of like high quality nonfiction or any kind of nonfiction that was turned into a high quality film, let us know. Yes. Let us know on social media. Slide into our DMs. Yes. Email us. Do something. Help some bitches out. Tweet us. Yes. Definitely tweet.
1: We're getting to a point now where if it's not an email from work or something really important, mm-hmm. you're just sending us quick tweet or text or, or instant yeah. message. Um, something else I've noticed, people are forgetting how to write actual letters. You still yeah. need to do it. Don't ever lose that. Because I see yeah. it now. People are just absolute crud. Like in professional letters, mm-hmm. they're writing like it's a text message. I've seen shitty ugly. like news articles
0: too. I'm like, Really? Yeah. Okay, because you care about the bottom line. You turned everything digital. You killed print. The quality of articles.
1: Do you know what it is? Because they're not hiring reporters anymore. Mm-hmm. They're pitching it because I've seen these on Craigslist. What they'll say is, oh, I need an article on this. Go ahead and send it to me. We'll pay you two cents a word. And then you're thinking, wow, is this for like some college paper? No, it'll be something like a big editorial, but they're paying some kid right out of college to do it instead of paying a reporter and giving them a salary. That stuff's important, but <sighs> people aren't going to realize and. Until, bring on the guillotines yeah until it's, it's that movie um god it was a funny film about this guy who went to sleep in a chamber and then woke up 50 years later and everyone was, was dead but it was a new generation and they were using gatorade on the lawn
0: oh um idiocracy yeah idiocracy they were using Perwando idi- to water the <laughs> crops and they were dying because of all the salt content that was in there
1: yes Oh, looks like my morons. husband. that's where we're headed
0: looks like the husband has taken the dogs outside so you might be hearing the jangling of dog tags and the yipping of doggies and
1: they're like dad there's a stranger in the house do she's something. attacking mom she's yelling at mommy exactly
0: no charlie they're shit talking each other
1: that's what <laughs> friends do that's what friends do
0: you know kind of like how you shit talk us oh my little holly dolly she's so cute I can see her out there. I can hear Charlie.
1: Oh, wow. I can hear his little dog tag. Charlie makes sure that people can hear him.
0: Oh, yeah. He's got small dog syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I kind of feel like idiocracy is happening for real.
1: Oh, yes, definitely.
0: Although I hate the unfortunate implication of wrong people are breeding, because it's like, oh, since you're smart, you better go out and breed. And it's like, I have no intention of crapping out kids. Number one, I'm over 40. I don't think I want to do that. I'm not going to have the energy to crap out any kids, let alone raise them. Number two, I just got to do what I can to be a bad influence on other people's kids.
1: Would you ever adopt? I'm not
0: sure if I would do it at this point in my life. Gotcha. If I ever change my mind and decide on that, I might be a foster mom to like gay and trans kids. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: hmm So either way, I don't have to worry about throwing you a baby shower. No. Okay.
0: That's Sabrina's mission is to get out of the whole baby shower thing.
1: So what is your next novel?
0: I'm going to go back to the 20s again, because that's what I do. I'm going to go with Maisie Dobbs, the first in the Maisie Dobbs series by Jacqueline Winspear. Oh, wow. Okay. But Maisie Dobbs is a historical mystery post-World War I. Oh, wow. She was a nurse on the front lines in France. And I think this would be a wonderful adaption to film, because number one, costume porn. Yes. All those 1920s costumes. And I think, too, just a slight critique of the novel. A good chunk of the middle was taken up with a lot of backstory.
1: I know how you love backstory.
0: Although this backstory, it paid off okay. at the end. So right. it really did earn its keep. Yeah. That's the thing about backstory anyway, and definitely with like big, long flashbacks. You have to make sure they like raise the stakes or they set up motivation. Although the set up motivation, you don't need too much of it. You don't need a huge flashback for just a tiny bit of motivation. But um, in this case, we raise the stakes. It kind of chronicles her rise from the daughter of... I wanted to say that she was the daughter of a chauffeur, but that's not the case. That was the movie Sabrina. Yeah,
1: I was going to (laughs) say.
0: Both the Audrey Hepburn original and then the 90s remake with Harrison Ford. Yes. Okay, unpopular opinion. I like the remake better. Me too. God, that's another comfort viewing movie.
1: That is a comfort viewing movie.
0: (sighs) Okay, and digression. Her father in Maisie Dobbs. Yes. Her father was um, the horse keeper. He would tend to the horses and whatnot. And the flashback chronicles her rise from being a servant girl because she was a maid for a while. And then the, um, I forget if it was both the husband and the wife in that household, but they saw her potential as really super intelligent. Her employers turned out to be her benefactors. They hired her a private tutor. And that was Dr. Maurice, or Morris as they pronounce it in England. Okay, I forget his last name. He was kind of a mentor to her and he kind of... Saw that she had potential to be like a detective or a psychiatrist. Cause I think he was a psychiatrist or psychologist, but anyway, she was being tutored by him and they put her through boring school. So she was able to get a higher education. Yeah. And then she ended up being a nurse during world war one. And it kind of tells her story that way. And I think with the movie, it would be a really good opportunity to kind of juxtapose like scenes from the past with scenes from the present-day story. Oh, wow. And I think a visual medium would really bring that impact home. I'd love
1: to see that.
0: And plus you get a lot of pastoral scenery porn as well.
1: Yes. Like with
0: all those BBC... Or um, PBS series with like, um, like what was it? Farm Girls, the, um, Bomb Girls. That was a Canadian one. Everything Girls. Yeah. All those nifty Britishy shows you sometimes see on Netflix. Yes. So you'd get that kind of sort of vibe from that. And I think it would look good on film.
1: I think so too. Your love for the 1920s. Oh, I know. Does Gatsby fall on your love scale? Okay. What did you think of Baz Luhrmann making the remaking Great Gatsby? Do you watch that for costume porn too?
0: Oh, yes, definitely.
1: Does it pass your test? Like it's good enough? I'm
0: not mad at it.
1: Okay, cool. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah.
0: Baz Luhrmann is one of those love it or hate it kind of people. So what's next on your list?
1: So a children's book that I recently read that I think would make a cute, not Disney because Disney only does certain, they own their whole franchise and the character, Mm -hmm. Galactic Cinderella. So it's a picture book, okay. but I don't know. You could make it into a film, I think, even if it's not a cartoon animated film. She is the character of Cinderella. She has two evil stepsisters. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to go to the ball. She's fixing her spaceship. And all of a sudden, a spaceship runs into her spaceship. So they start working on fixing it. As they're doing that, it's Prince Charming. And so he actually takes off to his ball, but he has her wrench with him. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to figure out whose wrench it belongs to. But the way spaceships are in the future, everyone's toolbox is their own unique toolbox. So he goes mm-hmm. from planet to planet looking for the toolbox that helped him out there in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. The stepsisters try to hide her. Of course, the whole, the, the regular themes of Cinderella. Yeah. He finds her. And he says, I've never hung out with anyone like you. You are awesome. And she's like, great. Thank you so much. And then he's like, will you marry me? She's like, you know, I'm really young. I don't know where I'm headed. Would you mind hiring me as your engineer instead? And he laughs. He has a crush on her. Mm-hmm. He's not going to push it. He hires her as her end, as his engineer to be the engineer in all of his spaceships. Hmm. And that was the ending of Intergalactic Cinderella. Aww. And I read that thinking, this is awesome. That would be a cute animated film. I find myself looking at... Do you read any children's books right now, if, if it comes across? Because you could read those while standing in line at Costco. Like,
0: oh, I know. I huh. haven't done that. Right okay. Though, but...
1: That one I really enjoyed because I picked it up going, Intergalactic Cinderella, what's this? <laughs> and then I read through it and I was like, that's kind of cool. That's a great message. Yeah. I'm seeing these messages pop up more. And I'm going to digress and do one more story. Okay. The Tea Dragon Society. Yeah. Which you've read that one, right?
0: I haven't or- read that one, but I remember you mentioned it in, um, what was it, the Tropes We
1: Love episode? How the fuck do you remember that? How do you do that? I have edited that episode. Oh my gosh. So I, I didn't even realize it. So, in the Tea Dragon Society, you have a dragon and then there was a human and they're sitting there having tea. And he's telling the dragon is telling him, Well, you know, you, your, your leg is healed now. You're mm-hmm. probably going to move on and um, travel. And he's like, Actually, I, I just enjoy sitting here and making tea with you. And the dragon kind of blushes and goes, Oh, okay mm-hmm. and you they're both boys so mm-hmm. you know where the story's headed yeah and i just loved that um i was like yeah tea dragon society just so. kind of
0: matter of fact about it
1: yeah not like a message book exactly i love that and i'm seeing a lot of it pop up so i think the children now will be much better people than we are i hope so yeah me too
0: fingers crossed
1: yes what is next on your list
0: me tearing off the little raggedy edge of my notebook.
1: Paper. I hate those. I will like burn it to the ground. I hate seeing them. Like, I always have to pull on it. Even if I end up tearing it to the page, I still do it. It's I'm like the I'm so
0: into tearing perforations. That oh, is just a weird, satisfying thing. Right? It's up there with the bubble wrap. Oh, yeah. Or like if there's that, I don't know what it's called. Like you get a remote or a new stove or something, there's that little plastic uh-huh. that's kind of um, hermetically sealed to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I always want to peel off that little second skin. So what's next on my list would be Lamb, The Gospel According to Biff, oh, Christ's my... Childhood Pal by Christopher Moore.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Do you see it as an animated film or? I see
0: it as animated.
1: Okay, cool. Because right. his
0: characters are so broad and farcical a lot of the time that I feel like a cartoon would be the best vehicle. Yeah. A grown people's
1: cartoon. A grown people's cartoon. I yeah. love it.
0: And right now I'm picturing in in my mind's eye, which sounds really pretentious to say, so I'm saying it, that it opens up to like a leather-bound book. A Bible, maybe. Okay. Leather-bound and kind of like the way they did some of these cartoons back Like back, back, back in the day in the 50s, they would have a storybook and once upon a time they'd open the book and then you have like this animation on the page. I'm kind of seeing something like that. Oh, wow. Like maybe the frame story of Biff up in heaven. It's been a while since I've read the book because I think, I think it was a frame story initially. So I don't know if I want to have the frame story done super literally or if we want to just go into the gospel of Biff in the Bible. Yeah. Open up like the big leather bound medieval style Bible and then you have like the scene and like the first scene with biff and all them kind of plays out
1: so you're doing it like a um albert brooks sort of mel brooks sort of um the way that he did what am i thinking of history of the world history of the world oh my
0: god it's been a while since i've seen that one
1: okay but
0: maybe something like that okay i think it would be worthy of that sort of my vocabulary is gone but worthy of that sort of treatment
1: so you're you're going to see an
0: homage as it were
1: yes you're going to see jesus's life like it happened historically with just this added obnoxious character he's like yeah so then we were
0: oh yeah cuz joshua that was jesus's name he was celibate this whole time but then you can see this like montage of biff kind of boinking his way around the world yes and I think it would be fun to watch, like, a bunch of montages where they're learning their um, different magic, or they're learning karate. Well, not karate. They're learning martial arts, specifically Jiu-Jitsu. Christopher
1: Moore is hilarious. Oh, he is, he's hysterical. Is he one of us? Is he a Bay Area native? Or am I getting that wrong?
0: I think he's a Bay Area native. Okay. Yeah. Did I lend you Sacra Blue? Or did I just recommend Sacra Blue to you?
1: You re- recommended Sacra Blue, I think.
0: Yeah. That one, definitely read it. It's different wonderful. It. Okay. It's not as um, farcical as the rest of his books, Okay. but it's just, it's beautifully written. And it, it's kind of that um, Bohemian Paris in the 1890s sort of feeling. Yeah. It's a little bit, a little bit darker, but still funny and it, it's just awesome. I think that one should get a movie treatment as well. That would be really trippy. I think, although if that one happens, I imagine Tim Burton would get his hands on it and he's a little overdone. Yeah.
1: That's sad that, you know, certain genres, certain directors you may not like just get first dibs no matter what because of their Mm -mm.
0: name. Yeah. I feel like he would get like first dibs on that one. I would not be happy. Yeah. But I think it would look really good on the big screen as well because you get all that 1890s bohemian scenery. Yes. And you know, all the absinthe and the opium smoke and all of the blue. So much of the lapis lazuli blue.
1: Yes. That was
0: sacred to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Which brings us back to Biff. Christ Childhood Pal. Montages of like the miracles they're learning how to perform. And of course, like the cartoony little like dot, dot, dot as they go from country to country. Because they go to the Far East as well and learn from the Buddha.
1: Wow. So it's basically the story we all grew up hearing, but with that added character that was edited out. (laughs) Yeah.
0: There was a really funny scene too around Christmas time. It was Jesus's birthday and they were in China at the time. And so they stayed with these girls and they made them some food. And the punchline was this is why our people eat Chinese food on Jesus' birthday.
1: That is hilarious. On
0: Joshua's birthday. We had Vietnamese food on Christmas. <laughs>
1: you, so you found a Vietnamese place in this area open on Christmas?
0: Yeah, there was some banh mi.
1: Good to know, Carly. Don't keep stuff like that to yourself.
0: Okay, I will share it. Now, share if you can find a me. Thai
1: restaurant open on Christmas, OMG. I just need my noodles. Oh my gosh. We
0: should spend Christmas together. I
1: know. Do some flat noodles. But you don't like the kind of noodles I like. What kind of noodles? I like them soaked in sugar and soy sauce. It's good for you.
0: Okay. I'll live once. So what's next on your list?
1: Next on my list, I don't know if I would want it documentary style or a movie that talked about all of this shit happening just for people to watch it. I just want people to, to, to... okay, it's Omnivore's Dilemma. Oh yeah. Have you read that? Mhm. Holy Long shit. Long time ago. Yeah. Someone recommended that book to me. Uh-huh. And they said you have to read Omnivore's Dilemma. You have no idea. Uh-huh. So I read through it and I just thought to myself, "Oh my god." So I I've actually been following it for the past 2 weeks. Mhm. And I so want meat, but following the rules, I can't have it. What I The rule that I made, and I'm actually doing it with a few coworkers, you can't eat meat unless it's grass-fed meat. Hmm. So it can only be actual meat, the kind of meat you would have eaten 30 years ago. That meat is fucking expensive. Oh, yeah. So I can't afford it right now because we're like at $14 a pound. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not in a situation where I can pay $14 a pre not factory farms I know I want meat so bad and it's like $20 a chicken might as well just get the impossible burger what's the impossible burger
0: oh it's a plant-based burger but it tastes like an actual fucking burger
1: wow
0: and also the products from um, beyond meat
1: can you find yeah. it at Costco
0: I'm not sure if you can the Costco. It's worth a look. Although at Safeway, ironically enough, it's in the meat
1: section. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think it's Beyond Beef. There's some Beyond Chicken kind of stuff too. I haven't tried that one yet, but... They have sausage. They have... The sausage it doesn't taste like traditional sausage to me, but the burgers, they're really good.
1: Oh, wow. So... I've got to check that out. Yeah. Um, I haven't had eggs in over a month because I've been meaning to make it down to Farmer's Market, and it's either I get there and I forget to bring cash, mm. but um, my goal is to get my eggs from Farmer's Market. $4 a dozen. That's amazing. That's cheaper than Safeway. Yeah. But you're not really big egg eater, huh? Not lately. Okay.
0: Although I do need to get back into that or at least make some hard-boiled eggs so I have something easy and healthy for breakfast.
1: Percentage-wise, you're probably already like 80% plant-based, huh? Probably. Yeah. Although I'm a little too carb-heavy lately, so... Gotcha, gotcha.
0: You can be vegetarian and vegan and not necessarily be healthy.
1: Yeah, because cake is vegan. Oreo cookies are vegan. Yes, they are. I was breaking that rule for a minute.
0: The junk food vegan is a real thing.
1: Yes, it is. That was me.
0: Junk food keto.
1: You can do beef junk food. Jerk,
0: like nothing but beef jerky.
1: And trail mix? Yeah, I've done yeah. that. Don't do it. It hurt your kidneys.
0: Yeah, don't do that one. Eat plants.
1: Yeah. Lean meat. In moderation. And I'm going to ask something that's probably bordering on ignorant, but I don't care. I have to do it for our listeners. Okay. So the reason why <clears throat> excuse the me. Gulf of Mexico is dying from all these plastics that end up in the water due to the hormones we're feeding all of these cows and stuff, they're getting away with it because they have lobbyists. Oh, yeah. Why can't we just throat punch all the lobbyists? Bring
0: out the guillotines. Okay. We got to bring out the fucking
1: guillotines. Alrighty. So the lobbyists, I even looked it up to see what it takes. They're just normal fucking people. Mm -hmm. They're normal fucking people that pitch themselves to get these jobs. And all they have to do is they have money to throw at Congress people too, to get their legislation passed. But the ones that get hired to do it, Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're sales reps. Mm -hmm. Fucking sales reps are killing our country. Yep. Well, the sales reps, it's like, go sell fucking soap or something. Don't kill the planet. Right. So it, it seems altruistic what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just trying to buy organic grass-fed beef for like $7 a pound. That's my goal. is so <laughs> to live in a world where they sell that and just, just get it down from $14 a pound. For Love of God.
0: Yeah. It's expensive to be ethical. Fuck. Fuck. It's hard I to be know. broke. I know, right? And ethical right? at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, so... Surf shopping is kind of my way out of it.
1: But the thing is, the farms, like the Fairfield Vacaville farms that sell the meat, mm-hmm. they sell it like bulk. Mm-hmm. So you've got to buy. You can't just get in there. Oh, I'll take half a pound for this week. Not how it works. You know, I get emotional when I talk about meat.
0: I guess get yourself a deep freeze.
1: Deep freeze. Yeah,
0: you know, like the big and freezer you keep in the garage or the basement?
1: That Dexter
0: uses? Yes. Get a serial killer freezer. Wait, time out. That's where you keep your sides of beef
1: deep freeze. Do you think it'll hit my PG&E bill?
0: You'll have to look that one up. I don't have a deep freeze. So. You don't have a deep
1: freeze. Okay. No,
0: I to- I don't have a deep freeze where I keep the dead bodies of those who've wronged me and therefore have died. I don't. So I wouldn't be able to give you that information. What do you
1: keep in a deep freeze besides meat? Why am I asking you these questions like... I I, I just do that. Also, I, if you I,
0: buy like frozen vegetables or something in bulk at Costco if or if you buy... I don't know. Let's say ground beef is on sale, but you have to buy like a Big Horkin amount, or you're taking advantage of a particular sale, but it's a perishable item, you got to wrap it up and shove it in the freezer so it doesn't go bad.
1: My boss has a garden. She gardens. like That's what she does with her spare time. Mm -hmm. She's been bringing green beans and Brussels Mm. sprouts and all this, and I take all of it, so I've been eating fresh vegetables, and they've been free, which is the perfect price. Right? Can't argue with free. I know. I'm so cheap. I don't know... Oh, I know it's, it, it's happening much more in my older age mm-hmm. like people ask me about things and i'm like well, oh my god how much is that gonna cost and i wasn't like that 10 years ago but now i am and it's like i feel that we're getting if if you look at me 10 years ago 10 years ago is when i should have been like oh my gosh no put it into savings but then i was like yeah i'll go eat there let's do it and now i'm like fuck <laughs> that no let's go home what is, is it it's it's old age
0: Maybe, I don't know. Okay. Or you're like, oh, fuck, property taxes again. Fuck.
1: And you know what? We don't need that to go up. No. When we're pushing five figures, people are dying out here.
0: Don't get Sabrina started on property taxes. She doesn't like schools and roads and shit.
1: No, fuck them. Let's all just take care of ourselves.
0: Yeah, let's just have a community where we don't have community. We just sit on our couch and just don't interact with anybody, and then the world goes to shit. That's
1: similar to my life. (laughs) I'm miserable. Everyone else needs to be miserable. Just pay lesser property taxes and bring that beef under $14 a pound, for the love of God.
0: So I guess I'm next?
1: Yes. What beef do you have?
0: (laughs) I don't have beef, but you might have beef with me for being predictable. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going back to the 20s.
1: Do it.
0: I'm looking at the other typist.
1: I feel like I've heard that title before.
0: The Other Typist was written by Suzanne Rendell. And it's about a woman who is kind of this very plain Jane, play by the rules typist for the New York Police Department. Oh, how fun. Yeah. Her world kind of gets turned upside down when this super glamorous woman pops in. Wait for it. The Other Typist.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So they start hanging out together. Well, their job is to, um, like do stenography work and to record confessions and interrogation sessions. Gotcha. And she and this other typist, they start hanging out together. Weird shit happens. It's a mystery slash thriller. I think it would be really atmospheric as far as seeing it on film. Kind of dark, but I wouldn't want to see it being too dark. You know, I like to actually see what's happening on the screen if I'm watching something on the screen. Yeah. But I'm kind of seeing a lot of, um, like, a lot of wainscoting. I've seen pictures of old-timey police stations, and they're really super neat looking. Oh, wow. Really super neat looking. I sound like I'm from Leave it to Beaver or something. Collie G, George. Come on. It's peachy swell. But I'm seeing a lot of wainscoting on the walls. I'm seeing a lot of, like, the, um, like, old-timey police uniforms. I'm seeing Bob haircuts. Wow. Although I'm wondering if the twist at the end, which I'm not going to spoil, so look it up yourself, I'm not quite sure if that would be easy to pull off visually, but I would be really interested to see how it gets pulled off. Yeah. So that's part of what I would want to see. I mean, it's kind of like, um, I've heard the book being compared to like a 1920s Gone Girl Mm -hmm. in that it has all kinds of weird twists and turns and whatnot, and also like another unreliable female narrator. So I think it would be really cool to see how that plays out on the screen. Yeah. And again, costume porn. Costume Setting porn. Setting porn. Exactly. Scenery porn. Like seeing the New York of the 1920s with like the Model Ts and the occasional horse and buggy still there and the speakeasies and like yeah. the glittering nightclubs at the time and kind of seeing the, um, like the rot and the tarnish behind the glitter. Yeah. Because like with a lot of Gatsby stuff, like when people have Gatsby parties and whatnot, they think about the glitz and the glamour, but they don't think about what happens behind the glamour. And The Great Gatsby was a dark fucking story. Yeah. And it kind of shows you like the rot lying underneath the American dream and how that's not truly available to everybody. So I think seeing a movie like The Other Typist would really bring that out.
1: I would love to see that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see it too, Sabrina.
1: I have to bring up We Live in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Okay. So what I like about this, it all takes place in one spot. Okay. And then, have you
0: read that one? No, I haven't.
1: I'm going to spoil it. It's 60 years old. ago. It's old. Okay. So you have these two sisters who live in this crumbling mansion. Mm-hmm. And where I think this is like the 1940s, 19 around your era. Okay. That was kind of like, kind of reminds me of The Haunting of Hill House. I think all of her stories take place around the same era, same type of people. Mm-hmm. So in this one, these two girls not only have do they live in this dilapidated mansion, they own the town. Mm. The town is theirs. Their grandfather, their father owned it, but they're recluses and they never leave the house ever since a really horrible incident, which we don't find out about till the end. I'm just gonna fast forward and ruin this story for you. Go ahead. Their cousin comes to visit, but it's like a third cousin. So. so So he could, he comes in there and he tries to like hit on the older daughter. And she's like, you know, she hasn't seen a boy in her entire life. So she has a crush on him. She's willing to do it, but she marries him. It's that age. He's going to get everything all the finances he'll be in charge of. That's what he's looking for, douchebag. So the younger sister is like, this isn't gonna happen. But she says it matter of factly, but she's like 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And the older sister's like, stop it, don't be like that. Next thing you know, the cousin drops dead. Turns out the little sister is a homicidal maniac who kills anyone that irks her. And the day that their entire family died, she had gotten pissed about something and she had poisoned the food and that's how they were all dead. Oh. But her and her sister couldn't get over everything that happened. So they live in this crumbling mansion that becomes even more crumbled because she kills the cousin who comes to try to marry the older sister with fire. So half the house burns down, the roof is sunken in, they continue to live there. The townspeople feel bad for them, but they know that, that they protected them by not marrying that douchebag who was gonna come in, build condominiums everywhere. So they just like leave food at the doorstep and they always come back and the food is gone and the empty bowls are always the front door, but you never see the sisters again.
0: That's like the fall of the house of Usher meets Great Gardens, meets the community spirit of a rose for Emily. So show that is Jackson. like peak gothic.
1: Right? And so I'm like, they should make a movie about that. That would be awesome.
0: I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah.
1: So with my morbid Shirley Jackson, where are you taking us? Mm.
0: To the slightly less morbid The Night Circus.
1: Wow. A NaNoWriMo writer.
0: Yes. I really loved how um, Erin Morgenstern wrote her descriptions. The main critique I had about the book was there was so much description that it kind of overwhelmed what the story was. Gotcha. However, with all of these vivid and lovely descriptions, the book lends itself to being adapted into a film. I don't know if that has happened yet, if anyone's bought up the rights yet.
1: I think someone has, it just hasn't come to fruition. I would
0: like to see that as a movie without Tim Burton, without Wes Anderson.
1: Tim Burton has ruined so much. He fucked up Dumbo. Mm. (sighs) Sorry. Woosah. Away. Woosah I'd We're
0: going to woosah that away. The movie would be a treat for the eyes, as they say. And I love the book cover, the black and white and red. I think it would be fun to kind of play with that sort of color palette. And I think, too, with um, the movie format, you'd have like 90 minutes to two hours. Yeah. So I think you could distill the story down into a 90 minute running time and you would have enough story for the screen. Yeah. And then it would be super pretty to look at. Right? Yeah.
1: I love it. I think that would be fun. I don't like the treatment of animals any longer at circuses, but yeah. I love the big tent. It's, it's when people do wedding themes inside tents. Yeah. I love that, especially if they're circus themed. That's oh my hard. God.
0: Have you seen and or read like Water for Elephants?
1: I read it. It pissed me off. Um, never saw the movie. Yeah, I ended up really loving the book. I loved it. I loved it. I love how he continued on with his passion, even in his old age. Yeah. Leaving the two friends behind pissed me off. Mm. Never leave a man behind. Robert Pattinson, you fucker. <laughs> wow. Like Water for Elephant.
0: Yeah. So I think the Night Circus would, um, I think we'd kind of have that same fun historical, if not historical, carnival feel of like Water for Elephants. Yes. So I think we'd have kind of that sort of atmosphere.
1: Magical look. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But with a little more of the magical realism going on. Yeah. So do you have anything on your list?
1: I, I chose this because I read it recently. Unhoneymooners. It's a rom-com by... Okay. Yeah. It's actually two writers. It's Christina Dodd and another writer. They write it as a tag team. Okay. And the Unhoneymooners, hilarious setup. Twin sisters... One, um, the one that we travel with, she is the maid of honor Mm -hmm. and her sister uh, gets food poisoning the day of the wedding. In fact, the entire wedding party gets food poisoning. So she has to take her sister's place to take the non-refundable honeymoon to Maui. No one else is available except for the best man who happens to be the groom's brother. He takes the trip with her. And they never liked each other. So, of course, you know, 10 days in Maui, you never liked each other. You're going to hash out why you don't like each other. And then in doing so, you find out you love each other.
0: (gasps) They loved each other all along.
1: Right? So that was Unhoneymooners, and I just like it because the thought of doing a story like that, and then the background music is Barry Manilow's Copacabana. Oh, shit. That's all you need. 10 days in Maui. And we Maui. Can get
0: a Barry Manilow cameo in that one.
1: Exactly. He deserves a cameo in yes. the movie. There are, so many, there are 70 singers who I think don't get enough credit for being awesome. I'd want to see Barry Manilow, mm-hmm. and then the other one, knock three times on the TV Tony Orlando! Tony Orlando! Orlando. On
0: the ceiling, if you, you want, want me. me. Okay. Twice on the pipe. Ding, ding. ding. If the answer is no. <laughs> so you know it exactly. Fuck yeah, Tony Orlando and Dawn.
1: Yeah. Dawn. So they should really create some rom coms and then have Tony Orlando and <clears throat> Barry Manilow cameo. Fuck yeah. Right? Let's do that. So. That was mine. Something a little cheesy.
0: (laughs) Hey, nothing wrong with that.
1: Do you have any epics on your side?
0: I have A Great and Terrible Beauty by Libba Bray. Oh, wow. Historical, paranormal, magical.
1: Historical and paranormal. Tell us more.
0: So, of course, it would lend to a very good on screen visual. Yes. And I'm very big on that. Yes. This takes place in late Victorian England. The story starts off in Bombay, where she originally lived with her mother. Nice. And I think her mother gets killed off. Her father succumbs to a laudanum addiction. And mm. she gets whisked off to a boarding school in England. I don't think it's London proper. I don't remember that part. It's been a little while since I've read it. Yeah. However, this boarding school is in this big sprawling mansion, and there's a room on the third floor where you're not supposed to go, because shit done happened. What? Yeah. So our main character, Jenna Doyle, not Jenna, Gemma Doyle, meets some of these girls at the boarding school. You have the queen bees, like Cecily and um, I forget who else, but there's the queen bees, and then there's the very plain Anne without an E, just plain Anne.
1: She's plain Anna. And she's
0: mouse like this mousy kind of scholarship girl, and she's very goody-two-shoes, and, well, we can't do that because we're going to get caught. And she's such a drip. Somehow they bring her along. I don't know why she got Clarence to go along on this, because she's kind of a fun runner. But they kind of hang out deep in the woods. Yeah. Kind of like Dead Poet Society. You go into the woods, you go into the caves, you discover all these books. Yeah. Well, they discover the diary of, is it Mary Dowd? Oh, Wow. I think there's like some incantations in there. It's, I think it's maybe like a diary and possibly a book of shadows as well. Interesting. Well, Gemma Doyle has visions throughout the novel. And she starts to learn that, okay, maybe I'm not imagining these things. These visions are real. And it's through this diary that, okay, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while for me. Okay. But she's able to help her and her friends teleport to this other world. And that's the world where her mother is. So that's kind of the impetus there. And let's see. I know one of the friends gets trapped in the world in the sequel. They have to try and get her out. And then plain old Anne in this new world is gorgeous and glamorous because you have all these glamour spells in the world, too. Oh, wow. So she doesn't want to leave. It takes a little while to kind of convince her to get back into the real world because this other shit is going down in England now because of this whole ripping open of the um, paranormal world. Wow. So there's kind of this portal that opens up. That's how all these books work. There's always a portal. There's always a portal. Always a portal. Oh my God. Is that going to be our episode title? There's always a portal.
1: There's always a portal.
0: So I think the paranormal world would look really interesting as well as like the bleak kind of real world. I'm almost envisioning a Dickensian sort of bleakness. Oh, wow. And that kind of contrasts with like the bright and shiny paranormal world on the other side of the portal. Yeah. It's almost kind of a Victorian the craft. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So I think there's going to be a lot of costumes, a lot of costume trends. This would be the movie that would bring Tumblr back.
1: Yes. So your choices today, it's um, we're talking costume heavy.
0: Oh, hell yeah.
1: You're having a costume budget.
0: Visual Feast. Yes. So do you have anything else? I'm going to end
1: it with Elmore Leonard.
0: His books are always adaptable for screens.
1: Right. Um, He actually contributed a short story to Love and Other Stories. It was a book that had 13 stories from prolific writers. His was one of them. Mm. But I remember reading through it like 20 years ago. And one thing that I thought of when I was reading it, it could all be the same motel. So Elmore Leonard's story was one of, of 13 stories, of course. But I was looking at these characters and I thought they could all be interconnected, like one's in room three, one's in room one. I would love to see that book of short stories turned into a film, vignettes Hmm. of these characters who cross each other's paths. Almost a Tarantino like thing, because that's what I think he does with a lot of Elmore Leonard's work. Yeah. And the reason why I loved Elmore Leonard's short story in this, the name eludes me, but it's the very last one in the the series. You have a cowboy who robs a mafia boss. Kind of like if you robbed Tony Soprano. Okay. So him and the girl who's pregnant on the run and he's an aging cowboy he's actually a little bit on the ill side Mm -hmm. they they didn't go into detail about what it was but there's a cough that won't go away and he gets tired easily Mm. so there's a showdown with the mafia guys and being that he was a hitman once a long time ago he just goes balls to the walls and kills everyone, um, but ends up getting a mortal wound himself lying in the pool. And there's the pregnant girl and she's walking up and he's looking at her and he's just like, I love you. And one of the bodyguards that he didn't hit comes up and puts his arm around the girl. And then he goes, that makes sense. It was never his girl. It was somebody else's, but they needed someone who can get them out of that scenario. Mm. And this girl that he's been with this whole time looks down at him and goes, thanks, old man. And then he's like, You're welcome, and then he dies in that pool. Oh wow. And I'm like, that's the whole hotel. All the characters in this short story, they're in this motel and (laughs) it ends with this guy dead in the pool. Wow. Kind of like Holly that Sunday Boulevard. I mean
0: But is he narrating from the dead?
1: He was telling the story in first person up until that scene in the pool. And then he's like, Yeah. Then I just looked up at them, wished them the best, and closed my eyes. Oh, okay. Boom, done.
0: Is it a happy ending? Eh. Is it earned?
1: It's earned. Yes.
0: And that's all that matters. Right? Hollywood will not be allowed to make it a happy ending if that happens.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Ending it with, the, with Elmore Leonard. Rest in peace, Elmore Leonard. Rest in peace, Elmore Leonard. Tarantino has taken so much from Elmer Leonard's work that you sort of give credit to Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And you forget that there is a guy with over 50 novels who Tarantino borrows heavily from in all yes. of his work. So it's like I can't separate the two when I'm watching
0: Ah, yeah. No. I definitely see that though. That same rapid fire dialogue.
1: Yes.
0: Okay, so my list has been exhausted.
1: Yes. Oh, did we
0: end it on Elmore Leonard? How, I think we ended on poetic. Elmore Leonard. Aww.
1: Perfect ending. Right? So a lot of 1920s. Oh, yes. Uh, a lot of animation. Mm hmm. And then uh, vignettes that end with a love story. Yeah. I
0: love it. Okay, that's been our list of books we would adapt into movies. I almost said movies we turn into books, which, no. That happens too, but... Yeah, I, we don't need to be novelizing other movies. Oh, wait, wait. We might could do a movies we novelize episode.
1: Like Godfather 3.
0: There is no Godfather 3. It does not exist. Nope. nope no, nope 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 nope
1: When you see the novel.
0: All right, you guys. If you can think of other books that you'd want to see adapted to the big screen... Hit us up on social media. And remember, if you love our show, don't forget to download, subscribe, etc. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Share a link to us on your social media. Yes. Email to people. Retweet us. Do what you gotta do. I'm Carly Knight.
1: And I'm Sabrina Monet.
0: And this has been Procrastination Planet. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Procrastination Planet has been written and produced by me, Harley Knight, and my partner in crime, Sabrina Monet. Our logo was designed by C. Trojan of C. Trojan Art. For more of his work, go to ctrojanart.com. Our theme music is Laser Unicorns by Christian Penn, courtesy of Jumendo Licensing. Visit us at procrastinationplanet.com. Follow us on Twitter at ProcrastPlanet. Follow us on Instagram at Procrastination Planet Podcast. If you like us, tell your friends and spread the word. If you hate us, lie and tell your friends how much you like us anyway. We could use the publicity.